Okay, uh, by way of introduction, I'm Jay. I uh, run a little organizational effectiveness practice. I work with teams and organizations on an executing strategy. Um, but what's the biggest barrier to people executing strategy? People. <laughs> so there's always people stuff involved. Uh, so while I do strategy execution, it's primarily ways of working and building high functioning teams. Um, so Doug uh, kindly asked me to do a little talk, and he said, what do you want to talk about? So I'll show you how the sausage was made. Why do you think I came up with increasing your influence in all directions? Yes, people didn't feel empowered. What do you think was going on in my client work at the time when Doug asked me the question? <laughs> I was working with an organization that was having trouble, especially a, a technology team was having trouble having influence to get stuff done that mattered. So, you know, I'm pretty lazy. So I just said, why don't I put this on some slides and we can talk about it. Uh, and conveniently, this keeps coming up, so I might try to package this. All right, um, so we're gonna talk about influence. I love that you said audience. You guys are going to talk about audience. Uh, we'll talk about approach and we'll talk about next steps. How's that? Is that good? All right, so let's define influence. In your world, what does influence mean? Is it better if I stand still? Because I have a hard time standing still. Is that a, am I good? No, keep calling. Okay, I keep going. Okay, yeah. What if I do? Move as much as you can. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's another terrible side hobby. I like to make camera people uncomfortable. Okay, so what's influence in your world? Ability to change behavior. Ooh, excellent. Ability to change behavior. I love that. And there's a really interesting caveat to that. Because you could manage somebody to change their behavior by doing what? Tell them what to do. Well, what is influence? Changing behavior, especially when you don't directly force it to happen. So, you are largely internal service organizations, correct? So your customers are who? Internal businesses. So it's tough sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes they're reasonable and unreasonable. Wouldn't it be great if they all would just do what you wanted them to do? Wouldn't all the problems go away? It would be easy to get stuff done and service tickets would go down. So we have this decision continuum that we want these people to go down. So, dear audience, dear internal customer, please do what I want you to do. Let's talk about their possible answers. What are their possible answers? <laughs> sort of. One answer is no way. Like, not having that happen. No way am I doing that. Then we might get a little bit of, oh gosh, I don't think so. I don't think that's gonna happen. Then we get the dreaded yes, but then they don't do it. So they actually decided no, but they said yes at first. Does that ever happen? Yeah. Or they say yes and then they just kind of don't follow through. You mean like her, I will try? They, I will, <laughs> well, I love it. Yes, that, that's the I will try, but I'm not really gonna do it. And being an introvert who hates going to cocktail parties, I'm that guy. Yeah. And then we get some yeses. How, how helpful is the, I, I did it because I had to. How's that work out? What's the downside of the yes, but it's because I was obligated to? What happens? What's that? If it doesn't work, they always come back, fall back. They'll fall back, why, and why will they revert back? It's comfortable, I'll go back to what I know. And then, you know, if you're leading a, a technology transformation, and you need adoption, 
you need people to start following the new process. And they say, yes, because I have to. How enthusiastic is their adoption going to be? Not so much. And what impact will that have on the other people whose enthusiasm you would like there to be? It's not so good, right? So that's, that's kind of okay, but it's not great. Then we get the, I will. Okay, I'll do it. That's pretty good. But what do we really want? All the time. Oh yeah, heck yeah. I'm in. I want to do that. So, let's assume that that's our goal, as we talk about having influence. Are we going to get that every time with everybody in our very diverse organization? No. So, spoiler alert, I'm not solving all your problems today. But I might help you in a few. Okay? So let's talk about it. There are a couple of influencing types. The ways we generate influence. One is interpersonal. Okay, this is, I have influence with you because we know each other in some way. And I'm going to talk about the specific characteristics of that relationship and why that works. So that's interpersonal. And then there are times when you have topical or situational influence where you have a thing, you need to make a case for people to do what you want them to do. Do you encounter those a fair amount? Where you might not have interpersonal, but you have an event, where you have a, a, a project. And so you have to build your case to gain influence. Because you can't, you don't have the authority to tell them what to do, but you do have the case that you can make where they might get on board. So we're going to talk about both of these. Uh, at your table, who has influence with you? You have like two minutes, quick discussion, go around the horn. Who has influence with you, and how did they get? Go, two minutes. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I hate to interrupt great conversations. Uh, feel free to have these after. And it's sort of unfair because we have one table with five people, we have some tables with two people. So, five people, I'm sorry. Some of you didn't get to talk too much. I would love to hear two examples. Who, is, who has an uh, influence with you and, and how they get it? Somebody share. My wife, the day I married her. Ooh, the, I don't think I, we want to talk about how she has influence on you. Yes. Uh, somebody else. Who influences you now? Yeah, there. Yeah, I think we had Lowe here. I'm a consultant, so clients have me influence my part of that relationship. Yeah. And that's much more tactful. And then, yeah. We also, I also heard, uh, if you let me know this week, that there's more of interpersonal, like, demonstrated um, excellence and expertise. Yeah. So there was influence and wanting to, um, you know, work, work well with that. Excellent. Excellent. Great. So why do I want you to think about that? Why am I get your brain started on how you can be influenced? That's so good, yes. Because if you think about what has impact on you, you might be able to apply that intentionally in other relationships. So let's talk about that a little bit. So who are your audiences? Who are your important, and this isn't the work sphere only, who are your audiences that, that matter that you want to influence? Boss. Your boss, who else? My kids. 
kids. Doug's like right away kissing up. Yeah. My kids. Your kid in the workplace? One of them works for me. Oh! Family dynamics. So you might not be surprised then because you have a family business thing going on, but I do a fair amount of stuff in family multi-generational family businesses because there's a little bit of dysfunction going on in that stuff when you throw in the whole family part. Yes, correct. All right, who else are our audiences? Co-workers. Co-workers, yeah, who else? Clients. Clients, who else? Direct reports. Yes, who else? Partners, Man, you guys are good. All right, so we have direct reports. We have the boss. We have peers. We have the dotted lines. Those are nice when you have dotted lines. Aren't that helpful? For organizational clarity and who gets to decide what? Uh, the big boss, the boss's bosses, right? We have those people. And then we got outside, we got the whole organization, we got outside partners and vendors. So you have a whole bunch of people. Did I miss anybody? In your in your professional sphere? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of audiences to try to get to do what you want them to do. And what I know about your organizational functions is you you interact with most of them in some way, don't you? Some way, shape, or form. And at some point in your course of doing business, it would be helpful for you if these audiences did what you wanted them to do. Correct? Okay. Remember the disclaimer. Will they all do what you want them to do after this talk? No, because no, I don't want any letters or emails saying, oh, that was going to fix everything. I told you, it's not going to fix everything. Because the audience has to make some decisions too. What I'm going to try to talk about is to give you the best possible way to get the influence you want. Okay, um, we'll just say this one out loud. Where do you want to increase your influence? If you pick some place, some audience, some sphere, where, what comes to mind? Peers. Peers. In your, in expedient peers? Yes. Okay, excellent. The dotted lines, yes. Why, Dion? It's my job to influence 60 some other people on an organization that I have no control over. Yeah, and life would probably be easier for you if they would do what you want. What did you say? I said the boss. The boss, of course. Yeah. We all have a, there's a benefit to us having positive influence. Leading our boss, everybody heard that, you know, leading from the middle. Um, and authority only goes so far, by the way, in your direct report situation. Why is, let's just make sure we understand it. Why is leaning on authority heavily not necessarily the greatest way to lead your team? Breaks down PPE. Breaks down PPE, right. Excellent. Because you never receive by. Correct. Because in music, I could hear your term is great. Who's the spotlight on when you lead with authority? you. And if you want sustainable, scalable, engaged people who make decisions and take ownership, you want to kill that, just be the authority figure. But if you want to coach, mentor, inspire, I love that word, you'll get stuff done. So, direct reports, you'll get a higher functioning organization, higher functioning team, if you use authority last. Okay, sometimes you have to be the boss and you got you to do it, you got to direct. But that I would use as your last resort. All right. So let's talk about your potential. Now, this is you. These are the components all centered around your credibility that will determine your potential to have influence. Okay, so we're going to talk about a few of these. First one's your capability. Why does that matter? 
Why is that battery gain influence? It's hard to build cred if you're incapable. Correct. So the basic the, the basic fundamentals is can I count on you to do the thing professionally that I think you're supposed to be doing? Do you get her done? Are you dependable in that way? Capacity. Why does your capacity matter as a lever for gaining influence? You have time. Correct. Because you'll, as you'll see in, uh, later on here, that it takes intentionality to build influence. And if you don't have time and you are just transactional, if you're the drive-through window to get stuff done in your organization, you're going to have a hard time building influence because you'll always just be doing the bare minimum. So capacity does matter. Motivation. Why does your motivation or reason for wanting influence matter in your credibility? Who said authenticity? Yeah, that, excellent. They will know, they to them, the audience, will know if you're doing this for self-serving reasons. Conversely, if they believe that you're at it to help them and provide great service, your motivation will be an asset to gaining influence. And the last one is leverage. Now, leverage is not negative or manipulative. I'm going to talk about leverage in detail because it matters. Leverage is essentially you having some control over something that matters to them. Down with that? Got what I'm saying? You having control of something that matters to them provides leverage. So, here's leverage. And I put positive there on purpose. Positive leverage. This is not a negative thing, although the crowny face is something. So, my, my change management uh, capable people here. What are the two primary motivators for humans to do something differently? Pain. Avoiding pain and realizing gain. And this are the these are the buckets for leverage. So let's talk about <clears throat> the, the scale. Which do we lean on? What are some some think in your world that those you want to influence? What are some positive reasons or benefits that your influence might give them? What, what are you trying to help them do that's positive? So an example. Growth in what way? Yeah, so the thing I'm here to help you with, if, if you do the thing I would like you to do, it will result in growth for you or your team or your organization. Excellent. What's another one? Hey, increase compensation. Ooh, you're going to earn more money. If, if you do the thing I'm helping you do, you're going to be better and your comp is going to go up. What about, hey, let's use this new application. More efficiency. We're going to give you more efficiency. So you can, you can look that at the gain. Now, what are some pain avoidance benefits? That's why this is positive leverage, because removing pain is a benefit, but you have to talk about the pain a little bit. So what... What's the opposite side of, of increased efficiency? What pain would you be removing? That is so, that's such a waste of time. I've got this manual process that's such a hassle. We've got duplicated things. The, the data is no good. All of those things are pain. What's some other pain? Employee frustration. <laughs> Employee, customer frustration. All of that's going on. If we fix this thing, won't that get better? Okay, so you have to decide which way are we going. Am I going to 
Am I going to use the leverage of benefit or am I going to use the leverage of removing pain? All of that's good because can you see why it's positive? No matter what you do to help someone, if you can get them to understand that you have control over some piece of this, help me help you. I should have had that movie clip. Everybody knows what, well, most people know what I'm talking about, right? Help me help you. Show me the money. Okay, so let's talk about the approach. There are some things that humans need. I'm not that smart, by the way. I just see the same things everywhere. Humans were reasonably predictable in responding the way we want them to respond. Dion knows this. Addy knows this. This is a formula I use to diagnose dysfunction in any team or organization. And it works really well for influence. <coughs> First one is trust. So can I count on you to do the thing that you think I'm supposed to do professionally? And can I count on you interpersonally to treat me well? Essentially, this is safety. Can I be safe around you in some way? Clarity is, what are the things that matter to me from a business perspective or to me that are personally relevant? Can I provide those? And the last one is, great, thanks for all the clarity, but do I believe it? Do I buy it? Does it matter to me? So alignment matters a ton. Let's break these down. So trust, what are the professional dependencies? I'm gonna sort of assume that you are all good people and you want the best for other humans. So that's sort of table stakes, by the way. From the professional competency standpoint, what do the, your stakeholders, your audience, need you to do dependably? What are they counting on you to deliver? Reliability. Reliability. Follow through on your commitments. So important. Yes, what else? Product. Yeah, it has to work. It's supposed to do what it's supposed to do, yes. Oh, and the time that matters to me. Yeah, so all of these honoring commitments, in order to honor those commitments, what do you need to know? What do you need to know? How do you know what they expect of you? You shine a light on it. You've yeah. About it. Or you go find out. Collaborate, who said collaborate? Yeah, collaborate. You love, you want a collaboration. You want this. Right? So how do we find out what our customers expect? We have to go find out. Do you all have SLA service level agreements coming in your functional areas reasonably? Like if you don't, clarity matters a ton here. So what can we expect from each other? What's the timing? When is okay? This is a probably the biggest gap I see in influence, is we actually haven't clarified expectations, way it's, the way it's going to go down, what's going to happen, by when. We haven't actually got the chance to say that's possible or not possible, or it'll be possible if, right? So this is mutual agreement. So there's a bunch of things that we need to drive clarity on. What are some other things that you need clarity on or you need your audience to be clear about in order for your influence to go up? This one's really important for you to think about. This is a big lever. Your goals and intentions? Absolutely. You can't give them the big green face if you don't know what they care about and what they're trying to accomplish. So what is success for you? Hey, what does winning look like for you in this situation? For sure, that's a great one. What else? 
about what's what's your just biggest pain right now? What's the problem around this that you would love to get solved? What's another bit of clarity they, that you need about them? Understanding their business process. Yes. How does this work? What else? Yeah, what's your expectation on timing? Resource levels. Uh, what else do you have going on? What are your other priorities? What's going on organizationally? All those things. And then there's some things that you need to make sure they are clear on about you. What are those? Scope. What? Well, you both of you declare on scope. Yes. Capabilities. Yeah, what can we do? What's a reasonable expectation to have of us? Another one that, that Sometimes our customers lose sight of it. Can I tell you where you fall in my priority set according to what our bosses have said? Right, so if, this is a big miss I see often is the priority set from on high is not crystal clear. So we have people inside the organization working in tension and frustration because we have a different understanding of what the bigger organizational priority is. So the way, one way, uh, you can gain influence is driving to clarity so you and your customers are, are clear and aligned on what matters most so they know where they fit in your order of priority. Not set by you, but set by the organization. When that doesn't get done, what can happen? Escalations. Escalations happen, and then what happens? How is your influence when you're in the middle of an ugly escalation with someone else that you want to have influence with. What happens? Right? Remember back to that old trust thing? That doesn't go too well. All right, so I can't emphasize clarity enough. All of those things, and remember, we're thinking about what matters to them. We, got to, we have to understand that. Then we have to give them an accurate picture of what they can expect from us. And a little bit of a look inside our world. It would be nice. They may have a little more empathy if they understand all the stuff that goes on. It takes for us to make the donuts. Okay, last thing is the line that I talked about this. This is essentially, do we agree? Hey, I heard what you said about your capabilities and your timeline. Do they agree with that? It's reasonable to say, is that good for you? Or, hey, uh, I heard this from on high around organizational priorities. Did you hear the same thing? Taking a beat to be intentional about finding that out. Are we, are we clear and aligned on what we expect this to, all this to be? And I forgot one thing about clarity that's super important. If you really want the best for them, if you really want to help them succeed and their function to be good, tell them. And then demonstrate it with your action. Sometimes when we're overly transactional, we forget there's another human on the other end of this that has hopes, dreams, wishes, needs, priorities, etc. And if they start to believe you want the best for them because you tell them and then you demonstrate it, how will they feel when you might have maybe you don't meet their expectations next time? If you demonstrate over and over and you build credibility, you build credibility, and then you have nukes, what happens in that relationship probably? You probably forget a little grace, right? You're right? So that matters a ton. So we have this situation, right? These, these, these dynamics, interpersonal and situational. What happens if we start to merge them a little bit? where you have interpersonal credibility, and then you're really good at building the business case for the situational stuff. And we get super good at it, and the way we operate is just totally impactful. So with certain audiences, 
You have both. Because you build your personal credibility through trust, clarity, and alignment, when you get into a situation where you need their influence, you're going to have more luck. Okay? So, how do you do that? Hey, glad you asked. I should have done this as a printout, but I'm going to, I'll share this deck. So, this takes intentionality. My favorite word around leadership is intentionality, which requires you to be thoughtful, to have white space in your brain, to think for a minute about what you're thinking about, and, and think, okay, interpersonal, who, who in my world would, be, would it be better for me to have increased influence? What would be a really important relationship for me to invest in? For my business life to go better. And then I would go and think, okay, what are the trust things that matter to them? You know, am I demonstrating that I'm a, I'm a safe person, that you know, I don't talk about them in the, at, the, at the water cooler, and uh, I'm generally kind and pleasant and, and helpful, and uh, am I dependable in their eyes? Do we get her done? Can they count on me? So I go through that, and then it's a clarity. What matters to them? What do they need to know, and what do I need them to know about me, and what do I need to know about them, and I talk about this, that, and are we aligned on the really important things? I check that. And then go to points of leverage. What are the points of leverage? That matter to them. Not you. That matter to them. So what are the points of leverage that really matter? Oh, that application is kind of wonky. That integration didn't go very well. Maybe we can clean that up. And then what are you going to do about it? Let me tell you a story about interpersonal leverage. I was working with a, uh, a large organization that had a, a technology integration going on and was really not going very well. I got asked to come in and say, okay, tell us, you know, why is that not working? And the, the root cause was really interpersonal dysfunction at the, at the steering team level. One of the, the business unit leader who was impacted by this integration was a person that did not treat people very well. Highly transactional, very driven, very fast-paced, and, and he, his behavior was a real barrier. So, of course, my job is to go help remove barriers. So I made it a mission to go get, my, here's my goal. I want to tell this guy he's the problem. So if I had gone on day one and said, I just noticed you're the problem, how would that have gone? Not so well. Not so well. So it took about six weeks of intentional relationship building where he started to trust that I actually wanted the best for him and I kind of knew what I was talking about here where I got to say, you're the problem. And his behavior was awesome with me in that moment. Do you know what he did? He's a high charger, dreaded guy. I built relationships. I told him he was the biggest problem on this project. What do you think his response was? Cheer. Because I don't want to be that way. What do you mean? Are you serious? Why do you think he had that blind spot? Why didn't no one tell him? Fear. What's that? Fear. Fear. Because the way he behaved, you think, man, if we turn that guy on steroids, this is going to be terrible for everybody. Because nobody had the relationship with him where they felt safe enough to tell him the truth. And it was because their lives were transactional. Intentional relationship building, proving that you are dependable interpersonally and professionally, gives you the right to tell people the truth. And that's influence. Okay, so then, transactionally, the situational influence is what's the opportunity, what's the thing that we care about, what's the organizational benefit, why do we need to know the organizational benefit? As we frame our case, 
Why do we need the bet organizational benefit? Yep, all those things. Reason for moving. Yep, yep. If it doesn't make business sense, then let's not spend our energy trying to build a case for it. Okay, so we need that. Then I would just identify who are the key stakeholders, what is their leverage point, what are they thinking right now. Again, this is not manipulation, this is intentionally knowing who you need to win over to the thing you're trying to do, and then figure out what their needs are and build a plan. Anybody have any, anything you, you need to sell internally right now? Anything that you wish could get done that's not getting done? Or you need, you need influence? No? Anything else? Or uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Right? That's, this is your life. I know I work, you know, not surprisingly, organizational strategy, we're trying to accomplish this. How often does the this require technology help? Every time. I, I heard this, some smarter person than me said this, and I love it. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It, every company is a technology company. So you guys are pretty important. But you're not always viewed that way. True? True. How are you viewed sometimes in a way that isn't the best where, that you're trying to achieve? How are you viewed sometimes? Roadblock. Cost. Cost Roadblock. Cost center. What else? Order. Oh, yeah. Yes. Why won't it work? All that stuff. So, do you think it would be worth being a little bit intentional to identify who you can get here with? Do you think that would help your life? So, what does our Frank Gutierrez say when it's, when it's time? What are you going to start doing? What are you going to stop doing? There is no try. What movie is that? There's only do. What was it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yoda. I mean, you got to quote Yoda always. Okay. So now, how much time do you need at the end? Two minutes. Okay. Any questions or current situations you want to talk about with your peers and with me and Katura uh, that you're dealing with? I've got one question. Yeah. Um, when it comes to pain versus gain, yeah. research shows that over 80% is usually to avoid pain. Decision making is pain avoidance rather than gain. Uh, do you think that influences how you influence? Um, it can, but I will, I will challenge a little bit what you said. Um, change seldom occurs until the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of, of change, change, right? So sometimes, Organizationally, the pain's not bad enough. So, uh, it, it, the, to answer your question is yes, it sometimes influences how you decide how you're going to influence somebody, but you have to understand leverage of what's going on. Um, real change often doesn't happen until someone in so much pain they, they, they just can't, they can't be there anymore. But or, that doesn't always happen in the, the business world, frankly. So, the, the, understanding the positive leverage is sometimes a, a more um, efficient way to start. Does that make sense? Yes. Remember the book, somebody wisely said when we talked about when the pressure gets off, we revert back to our comfort. Right? So in the, in the business world, when I got my whirlwind of other stuff going on, and my IT partner is saying, hey, could you help us by doing this instead of that? You have to keep in mind the challenge of 
sustaining of that versus of this, because when you're then you're not knocking on their office, they're going to go back to the thing. That's the that's the sort of the the, the red uh, yes, but then I actually don't kind of thing, which is where your influence matters so much. Because wow, you know what, Mike? Mike asked me this. All the pressure I have is to revert back, but man, I really trust Mike, and he's a good dude, and I can count on him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fight through this inertia because I. I really don't want to let him down. That's influence and trust and high relationship. And oh, by the way, the business case they make was really smart too, so I think I'm going to do it. Great question. Anybody else? What else are you working on? What's challenging? Yeah. Uh, technology rationalization. So Ooh. going through and figuring out what tools to get rid of, but everybody's got their favorite one. And oh. The one that they champion and they don't want to give it oh. up. Oh. on this one. And Ooh. Another mic? Yeah. I'm just going to call everybody Mike. So, technology rationalization. Hey, our suite needs to change. There are business cases for it, but I have my favorite thing. And you're asking me to do a new process, do a new thing. We're super efficient at it right now. Um, Excel, just kidding. Uh, what would we say, what would, what would Mike's leverage be? What does Mike need to focus on? I'm going to take you away your favorite golf club. Well, how can you get me to be okay with that? I think sometimes reminding them of the pain. They always look at it rose color. I'm like, you don't even yep. like this thing. Yep. Like, here are all the ways that yep. you complain about it all the time. Yep. And helping them to realize yep. how we can. Yep, so that's one. Give you a better golf club. Let me show you why this thing would be cool. The pain part, or the game part is really good. Let me, so you got to make our situational case in that one. Right? That's situational, not relational. There is a potentially a trust me, but that, you know, if I really care about this and I don't know those people, I start with situational while I'm building the longer track of relational. Let me get you a golf club stick in on the proof of that struggle so you can do that whatever club you want. Yeah, ooh, that's it. Ooh, dang, that's next level. That's like process, organizational structure, all the things that, that set you up for success regardless of the tool so you can optimize the use of the tool, whatever the tool is, that's really good. So the first thing I would say is I would make sure the message from on high is crystal clear that this is a, a mandate, a, a strategic priority. We have to do this. So you can then go to your partner and say, hey, remember, we're, you know, they, them want us to do this. I want to help you do it. I start asking a bunch of questions. Why do you love it? What does it matter? Back to the coaching approach. You're demonstrating that their opinion, their input matters versus give me your golf club. Have a nice day. Right? So let's talk about, hey, if, if we were to change, if we were to be able to do that, and it was different than this, and how would that affect you? What do you think? And so I would pull them into the process. That's a tough one. But that's, if I feel like you are the agent of death and taking it from me, that's one thing. If I feel like you, like, you get what it's like, you understand I love this thing, you're trying to collaborate with me through the process, you want to help it be as smooth as possible, we both agree that this is happening, and not because of me, but because of them, all that stuff, it gets easier. Great question, great example. Anybody else? What else is going on? I think for us, we're changing from a department just said no for the last 45 years. And um, yeah, Cold, you're doing culture change. The agent of change that while ago, that's supporting business, or just saying no, 
We're not just setting up IT infrastructure so you can get all that air that before. Yeah. A holistic business approach. That's really good. Our entire IT department, our ERP system, and all that. So. Really important thing for you to know is the legacy mindset about what the IT function does and to replace that with new truth, declared, and then proven. Right? Declared, vision, here's how we want to function, this is how we want to go, what's important to you, what matters to you, and then you deliver on it. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to have positive momentum in the right direction. That's a big one. I appreciate it. We went in with the purpose of capturing within the first six months about four or five easy wins. Yeah, great. And then uh, we've been building on that. Yep, great. Those of you who are change management professionals realize that gaining influence is all about the change management project. It's, it's essentially, what do they care about? What's going to happen? Bring them into the process. Uh, demonstrate, get some quick wins. It's, it's the same as, as the change management journey. Any other questions? Stuff you have going on? Okay, I'm finished.